0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station.
1: This is Afternoons on Dubai
2: Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer with you on Afternoons. We were broadcasting live from Dubai Hills Golf Club, having a property special about this community, getting a read on the market with House & House. We were joined by international family lawyer Samara Iqbal, to talk divorce in the UAE. How easy is it? What do you need to know? And more. Plus, Ramona Gama she has set up businesses. She's worked with some huge names in leadership. What are some of her top tips on creating a good mindset and motivation with your staff in 2024? And the questions you need to ask yourself before you start your own enterprise. Joining us from Aramas International Lawyers, Samara Iqbal, she is Director, Solicitor and Expert in International Expat Family Law. So yes, very much in demand right now as we talk about January being a very hot month for divorce, but we've had questions across a whole different range from finances, custody, children. Um, Samara, thank you for being with us. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. It's um. I hope you've had a little coffee because we've had so many messages. (laughs) Now, is that a bit of a cliche, a bit of of clickbait about January being the hottest month for divorce? Or is that reflecting in your calendar and availability right now?
1: No, I think we all know that January is the divorce month or we say that it's like the year... The brand the new the new year start, sorry the new year started so everybody wants to kind of have a fresh break so if you if a divorce has been pending mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like in January they say let like, let's start it now. Um, also with anything, really, I think people who are looking to break up, they kind of play happy families over Christmas and the end of year holidays. And then January comes and it's kind of like, you know what, it's not working out. Mm. And then we get a lot of inquiries just saying, like, I think it's heading for divorce or we're not getting on. And I think over the Christmas break or the the winter break, we've just kind of realised that we're really like, it's not so working. working or they've been separated for a while. Mm. And they've kind of have things in place, but they just kind of want to put it, yeah, just formalized legally, all. yeah. So how easy is it to get divorced in the UAE? Um, it's getting a lot easier now, so definitely, um, with uh, especially with the new Abu Dhabi civil court, they have a no-fault divorce court system, so we kind of do a lot of divorces there, so that's very, very similar to the UK. So what, what was the case before in terms, and, and why is that a significant change? So with the traditional Sharia courts, which is, for example, Dubai court or Sharjah court, they're all Sharia-based courts, but what they did do was allow non-Muslims especially, or expats, to divorce quicker. Uh, obviously, if you're Muslim, it, it's a different process because you have to go through counseling and the um, the actual court process a bit different mm-hmm. but if you were two expats living here agreed on everything you could choose to divorce in the local court and it would have actually it's quite fast as well so Dubai court's brilliant for that as well but I think with the Abu Dhabi civil court it's just kind of speeded it up a lot faster. You can be divorced in the first session, wow. as long as you've agreed, and both husband and wife kind of come on and say, look, this is an agreement, this is what we want to do. A judge just just signs it off. Um, obviously, if you don't agree, um, a judge still can sign it off. It just means it still doesn't take long. Do, and do both parties need to be present for that tomorrow? Ideally, yeah, so we have sessions where if, for example, if the wife files a no-fault divorce at the local Abu Dhabi civil court, if husband for some reason doesn't attend the first hearing then what happens is he will allow her to have another hearing and hopefully he should come Mm -hmm. and if he doesn't come to that one then generally on the third one he makes a ruling so yes essentially you can Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's really fast it's definitely Um, a lot quicker. As long as you've got a link to Abu Dhabi, um, then you can use the court and it's no fault. It's very similar to UK where you don't even need to give reasons of why you want to split up. So we did one just the other day where he moved back to the UK, she's still there, no kids, only got married last year and they just called it quits and she was like we've got no children no assets I just want it fast if I go through UK where he is it takes like nine to twelve months even though we've agreed and we've got we don't want to do it there really spend that much time I just want to have a clean break so I was like well would I be caught then yeah. can I ask you about implications then
2: I'm just trying to think how to phrase this imagine there's a family expat family living here in the UAE they get divorced let's say husband decides to move back to the UK, for example, how can you enforce some of the rulings around child support, around, or just general support, when someone's living in a different country?
1: So what happened?
2: You're all good, don't worry.
1: Yeah, I'm holding it wrong. Um, So what happens is if you get divorced in the UAE, uh, technically the agreement's under UAE law, um, but essentially the principles of Children Act or anything to do with children or financial should also be used kind of worldwide as well. However, if he, just say he goes back to the UK, goes back to Australia, wherever he's from, and he doesn't start paying that child maintenance or he refuses to pay and says, oh, I can't pay that now because I don't earn as much as I did in Dubai. That happens. Um, then essentially you could try and sort it out by agreement to say, well, if you can't pay, for example, 10,000 Durham a month, can you pay eight or seven? He might say, yes, I can. And you can agree. Or, But then you can't really bring it, you can't enforce it in Dubai not because you can't do it, it's just because he's not living there anymore, so it doesn't make sense to do that, then you, what you have to do is go to the country he's in and essentially get a lawyer there which we do as well, mm-hmm. and say look he's got this agreement from Dubai Court he's not paying the maintenance, he's not actually giving me any reasons of how much why he can't pay, obviously I've got three kids with him or two kids and he's I can't afford to do that. These are his kids. He's still seeing them. Then a UK court or Australian court would then kind of make an o- their own application to ask him and bring him to court. So it is—it's—it's it's not that straightforward if, if no. that happens. Yeah. What about how transparent someone
2: needs to be about their finances? Because presumably—and this is me having a devious mind—if you know, divorce has been on the cards for a while. Do you see people? moving money and assets around, so they're not factored into when divorce happens.
1: Yeah, we always get that call from people saying, um, I'm going to file a divorce, but you know, do I need to put things in other people's names? You know, mm-hmm. it's a very, very common question we get told. And ideally, you shouldn't because, for example, courts can will ask for 12 months bank statements, will ask for two or three years company bank accounts, they will ask, um, they can check with, for example, in the UK, you can check with the land registry. Of what's been moved, and if you put like a notice on the property, the land registry won't let you do okay. that. So they're quite good there. Here, essentially, you can freeze accounts as well, and you can do searches with the land department of if if property's been moved. So the the courts here are getting more and more kind of equipped and better at working out people are moving things. Good. But it's not probably as as probably. Advanced to the UK but they're, they're definitely getting there. Samar Iqbal with us today um, lots of
2: messages for you uh, no name on this one saying recently got divorced my wife we attended a session online to which the judge said do you agree with divorce we both said yes and I'm wondering whether I need a certificate or a piece of paper that says I am divorced I never signed anything the case we were given online have got a brief letter in writing in Arabic stating divorced I don't know if that's enough. Should I expect something else or is that it? Thank you.
1: Um, a, it depends where they got divorced. So if it was online, I guess it might be Abu Dhabi court because they can do online hearings and there was no divorce agreement attached to the divorce. It was just a divorce and that's it. That's what they should expect and nothing else. If they went to the Dubai court, it's normally in person. You go into a judge's chambers and the judge will make you pronounce divorce with an interpreter and then he will give you the certificate, sign it, and you wait for that to come through and you get that translated, which just says that husband and wife recited divorce to each other. Mm -hmm. And if there's an agreement attached, they attach it to it. So that's all I can tell (laughs) her. Okay, really hope that helps. Samara Iqbal with us today. Um, Entrepreneur, global um, solicitor,
2: decades of experience handling international family law.
0: Dubai Eye 103.8 presents an array of independent expert opinions and does not advise one particular view. Always seek independent legal advice which considers your own personal circumstances.
2: Samara Iqbal with us today. She's an entrepreneur, solicitor with first-hand experience in Dubai and Abu Dhabi courts, litigation process. Um, And we're talking about family law in particular. We've got lots of questions, Samara. Are you ready?
1: Yes, go ahead. Are you
2: ready? I'm sure there's very little that you haven't actually heard about family law, so there's no such thing as a silly question, guys. Um, Visitation rights. Anonymous message here saying, what are the laws on visitation rights of a father? My son is eight years old. The father has received a legal ruling that he gets three hours every Saturday, and every sunday this is very disruptive for my son's schedule can i overturn or change this if the father's not paying anything for the child's well-being for two years now thank you
1: right so this question you know we get this asked all the time so if there's a court ruling a if you're not happy with the times try and agree with father directly without going back to the court to vary it so if those times are quite specific and for example this lady is saying that the child has some lessons or something's going on which happens in mean, children's schedules as they get older then you try and bear it yourself if dad's not being flexible then the last option would be go to court and ask to tell the court that and they would then change it but obviously that's quite a long-winded litigated process mm-hmm. so lawyers can get involved and write to father to say look we're going to avoid going to court this is a schedule can you sort something out and normally they do um secondly about the money yes lots of parents will say well he's not paying why should he see his child Yes, you know, he should be paying because that is his child or his children, uh, but essentially, that's not a reason to stop the, the visitation. Again, um, try and reach out to father yourself, if you can, and sort this out. If he's not paying for good reason, he should be telling you like he's unemployed or he's not earning enough or he's reduced it. Um, Again, lawyers are great at writing letters to kind of enforce payments. Um, you know, we always we don't always like to threaten court and say, look, if you don't pay, we'll take you to court. Um, that's not the best way all the time. But, you know, mm-hmm. there is always a reason. And if he's just not paying, and he should be paying, and obviously it's very expensive to live here. So he should be providing something, if he's, especially if, you know, Absolutely. he's part of that child's life. So it's quite... Um, you know, it's quite cheeky of him. It's really to do cheeky. That. Yeah. It like, you know, like,
2: you know, wanting the good bits of parenting, but not the the, yeah. the bills that come with it?
1: Because you know how expensive it is. Everything you have to pay for. Mm-hmm. I mean, his excuse could be, well, I'm paying for school fees and paying this, but he's not maybe giving something extra. We don't know. Yeah, so exactly. it's always good. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, there's there's no excuse. We just need to find out a bit more. Perhaps write a letter if you can't kind of engage with him directly. Mediation's good, we work with a lot of mediators, counsellors to try and reach an agreement. But you know what, if he's not paying and the schedule's not changing, then yes, the court, oh, court is an option. Um, we've been hearing a
2: lot more about couples trying to have child-centric divorces over the last couple of years, and not to get too, you know, Gwyneth about it, but you know, conscious uncoupling, and, and trying, trying to be a family even after divorce have you seen some good successful examples of this I mean I'm just thinking about inspiration for any couples that might be going through this and saying you know we don't want to be together but we still want our children to be our priority
1: yeah you get this a lot So, but I think about 40% of people do try and behave this way so they will say look we're we are divorcing, it's kind of been heading that way, but we want to do what we can to make sure the children are not looked after. So mum and dad live here, both have good jobs, are doing well, and they just kind of have like a shared care arrangement where, for example, the school's nearby, so dad will have like four days a week, mum will have maybe three one week and then they just kind of switch it share the holidays and both kind of just really work on things just to make sure the children are not really affected by this too much and it actually does work but I think it just really depends on how they are with each other some couples just can't talk to each other it just depends how they end it if it's just like they've separated and they're just on good terms brilliant try your best to agree with them as much as you can with your spouse it's better for you um, forget lawyers, forget you know going to court, just do what you can. We get calls where people say, look, I want to divorce, we're reaching an agreement. I just need a bit more time, but I'll come back to you. We, you know, I'm having counselling or I'm doing this. And it's brilliant. It shows that people are really trying to be very amicable yeah. as much as they can because they really are thinking about their children's wishes and feelings and putting them first and not themselves, which is brilliant. Um,
2: Samara, a message here um, saying, after Islamic divorce, the post-dowry is due. And the girl proceeds to implement. However, he can't pay now. Is there a way to delay or postpone payment until the request? I'm sorry, after request of implementation?
1: So, with Islamic divorces, as soon as you divorce, the. Deferred payment is kind of due immediately. Uh, This is completely unfamiliar to me. Can you explain? So you need to pay. So if your marriage certificate says you are meant to give her 100,000 Durham and you paid 50,000 when you got married, then 50,000 is due on divorce. Now, if he says actually give me 30 days or give me six months because I don't have that money right now, essentially she could say yes, but if she doesn't want to wait... She can go back to court and say he needs to pay me now and he'll need to borrow the money or he'll need to do something because essentially that payment is due and i think the court gives you some time but she would need to execute that and enforce it and if she is he will need to get that money somehow or give good reason to the judge to say i can't pay this month but i'll try and get it like by next month and usually courts will try and see if they can arrange Mm -hmm. an agreement but yeah it normally is due straight away
2: so hang on i'm just trying to understand this so Initially, the diary... Let, let's use 100000 as an example. So it would be 50000 upon getting married. And in this situation, you know, the rest on dissolution of, of, the, of yes. the marriage. When, if you, if you remain married, when would she get the, get the rest?
1: What do you mean you remain married? Sorry.
2: So, so, so saying if you don't get divorced, yes. when would you get the other
1: half of the diary? You can get it in the marriage as in well. In the marriage, But sometimes okay. your marriage contract... So you can take the full amount at the beginning, mm-hmm. but usually there is an amount that's paid at the end. So if... You get divorced, he has to pay you. But if you ask for the divorce as the woman, you forego that payment. So if I said I want a divorce and he's Muslim Mm -hmm. and I'm Muslim and he says, well, you asked for this divorce. The good judge has given you it. I'm actually meant to give you a million. I'm not going to give you it now. Mm -hmm. And you forfeit that. So that's the kind of crux to it. But yes, it is due. And But if you never get divorced, sometimes you never get it. Well, that's (laughs) what I mean. <laughs>
2: Just doing a bit of financial <laughs> planning here. Um, we've had messages asking how long does it take for someone to be notified that their partner has filed for divorce. Um, protecting joint assets. And when you're not married, can you have anything put in place if you're looking at buying a property together?
0: Dubai Eye 103.8 presents an array of independent expert opinions and does not advise one particular view. Always seek independent legal advice which considers your own personal circumstances.
2: Talking law this hour, Samara Iqbal with us today, Director Solicitor at Aramas International Lawyers. H- how are you feeling about a quick fire round, Samara?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's Should we go, go for, for it? it?
2: All right, okay. We want to help as many people as we can. Um, a message here saying, um, Someone I know is about to file for divorce at the court this week. How long does it take for her husband to be notified that she's filed for it?
1: Um, sometimes um, the next day sometimes that same week it just depends when they take that court fee okay. but um, I know the Abu Dhabi court are very quick so it's usually within a couple of days as soon as they've received the fee uh, sometimes the next day and sometimes husband gets a text message and then he gets an email as well so that could be how you
2: are informed that you're getting divorced yes wow that's all. that's like the post-it in Sex and City <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> I can't um, okay no name on this one saying we're a couple but not married what do you recommend um, regarding protecting joint assets should one of us pass, e.g., we have a shared car, we're looking at buying a property
1: here, is it possible without being married? Um, Essentially, so how it works here, obviously, if you're not married, um, if it's in joint names and essentially if you sold it, it'd be joint names as well, there wouldn't be any share if you're not married. I would suggest, even though they've got no plans to marry, maybe looking into a prenuptial agreement. So, you know, they might marry in the future, but at least they've got something in writing between each other, agreed with lawyers, signed off, uh, which is, you know, mainly used here if they've got assets here. Um... You can register it with the court, but usually with the Abu Dhabi court, you have to do it kind of with a marriage. Mm -hmm. But at least if they've got one signed when it's agreed between them, I would definitely do that.
2: That's quite a straightforward thing for a lawyer to draw up. Yeah,
1: no, it's fine. People do post-nuptial agreements as well. So I find that concept really interesting. Yeah, because what happens is they get married, they get things, they might, normally it's people, um, I don't want to stereotype, but they're having some issues and they think, look, we might be heading for divorce, so can we just iron things out now? Or... They are married, but they separated and they want to have an agreement as well. So I get that a lot. So I've got one at the moment and she's just said, look, I don't want a divorce. We've got a lot together in the UK, in Japan, here. Um, can we have an agreement kind of tight, ready? Mm-hmm. And if we do, don't, we don't sort things out. We had for divorce. We kind of know what we're doing. Interesting. i mm-hmm. just thinking about the conversation <laughs> if I go
2: home tonight. My husband, we've been married 10 years. I'm like, how do you feel about a little post-nup? I <laughs> just feel like that could be... The beginning of the end. <laughs> it Just happens. being proactive and organised. I can't see it go down very well. That's right before the Dubai Rumour Mill's going. Everything's fine in the farmer household. OK. Um, message here saying, Dad isn't employed and wants me to drop the ruling of child support. All his life he's depended on me. Now he has no job. I'm a nice person, would never ask for it. Even if he has money, I don't want it. But I want to keep the upper hand because he's very bitter. I'm also worried about what he might do. There's a history of substance abuse
1: okay i would keep the upper hand i wouldn't drop it because that's some kind of protection or ruling that you have got from the court for child support whether or not you excuse his child support because he can't pay or he's struggling to pay something separate but definitely keep it in place especially if there's a history obviously i don't know the ins and outs of this and usually i would work this out kind of talking to someone in a consultation but yeah keep it for now and maybe get some further advice Mm -hmm. um on other ways um to work out you know how you could protect yourself even further or if you need to take things back to court or anything else what about communication
2: post, post or you know during divorce and, and, and post divorce if someone's just you know stonewalling the other one
1: how can you ever get anything done it's really difficult and essentially you're just paying lawyers to like talk back mm-hmm. um, and it's you know it's it's just money kind of going back and forth because they completely can't talk to each other and we have really extreme cases where um you know, mum and dad are just fighting constantly about things and they can't agree on anything and it will end up in court and it takes a long time and it's very expensive and it's just not healthy at mm-hmm. all and I always say to people even if you've got lots of money, that's fine you can spend it but it's a stress yes. of it and kids um, who are a bit older or a bit sharper, they know what's going on and they kind of probably know mum and dad maybe hate each other and it's not good okay. so ideally I don't like that kind of I, I, I try Again, not to, um, point. I don't encourage it either, yeah. I always say look try. let's try and sort things out amazing. All right. So Mark Bell, we're going
2: to keep you with us for as long as possible. we had a message here saying, I got divorced last year uh, from my wife of 20 years, agreed separation agreement, had considerable monthly payment to her, both of us non-Muslim, married in the Netherlands. She was supposed to seek employment to help reduce the monthly payments I make, but she hasn't. There was no set time for this, but I'm moving on now and have a family to support. In addition to some of our verbal agreements like access to family pets has been taken away from me. I
1: trusted her to continue to provide access. What can I do? So when he said provide access, is he talking about his children? I think it might be pets, actually. Pets, okay. So I think if it was done in the Dubai court, then essentially he, and he used a lawyer to do a separation agreement, I would get that lawyer to kind of reach out to her to say, A, you said that you would seek employment, especially if she's able to work, she should work. Mm -hmm. And if he's got his own family now, his own commitments... um, he can't really pay that much and she should be able to pay if she hasn't or Absolutely. you know so I think that needs to be looked at and that could be something that lawyers can try and work on but I think the pets thing if she's restricted access that's quite worrying because you know people think it's just children but it's pets as well so if there's you know does he does he have updates on the pets you know does he know how they are doing is there costs of bills mm-hmm. that he needs to share I think he needs to get someone to either reach out to her uh, mediation's good. A, a lawyer, maybe. With mediation, is that would that be like a separate company,
2: or would there, would there be someone within a law within a so law firm we, that does that? So,
1: as lawyers, we do um, recommend mediators that we know. So in UAE, there's quite a few good ones that we work with. Um, they could get one from anywhere. To be honest, it can all be done online, but they're very good. So they're good at reaching kind of agreements about things without it kind of getting really worse lawyers are good as well but sometimes um people don't want to talk to lawyers all the time mm. because they're like oh well that's your lawyer she's got your interests at heart and i don't want to talk to her so we get a it was very impartial he or she will just come and say look let's just try and sort this out and they're quite successful, so I definitely, we would recommend someone. They um, charge a small fee, but they're very good, and okay. they can do it remotely as well if, if that helps. Good information, tomorrow. Thank you so, so much. Um, we've had a message
2: here, and it's not really on topic, but I think it's, a, I think it's an interesting one. Um, v says, is it legal for a husband to track his wife via AirTag without her consent?
1: I think it's illegal to tag anyone. (laughs) So if she doesn't know about it, then yes, it's like recording someone. So if I'm um, calling someone and recording and he or she doesn't know, essentially that's not allowed because you're supposed to ask for permission. So if she knows about it, that's fine. If she doesn't, essentially she could, and I've had women report it to the police. So I had one lady, she said her husband put um, the Apple recorder in her nappy bag. And she found out she told the police he was warned off. This was in the UK. The UAE saying she could still report to the police. It's like a breach of her privacy. So I'm sure uh, it's definitely not allowed. But, you know, people get private investigators. They do all sorts. You can't kind of control what someone does. Mm -hmm. But if you find out, I would definitely, and you're not happy, then I would, you know, it's it's definitely something you can report to the police for him to get a warning. Uh, No name on this message. I'm just going to squeeze in a couple more before the traffic.
2: Um, No name saying um, both Brits... Married in the UK, I'm on his visa, don't work and I don't feel he will support me. I would like to divorce but I'm unclear how this works in Dubai when we were married in the UK. Do we need to divorce under UK law? Can he make me move out? Does he have to support me financially if I do move out? And will a UK court order be applicable here? So she
1: probably needs a consultation. She's I'll, asked a I'll, lot of I'll, questions I'll send yeah. you some R's details. Is <laughs> that okay? Because I know you do, this, you do speak we to all people. All the time. We give this advice all the time, but it takes a bit of time. So A, if you're under his visa and he's providing everything and you don't have a job, you are probably more vulnerable because if he was to cancel your visa... Um, sorry divorce you, your visa normally gets cancelled and you have so many months to kind of either get a job and change your visa or go into your company. If you don't then to be honest that's between you and immigration so you would need to sort that out yourself. Um, also um, you know to live here you do need to be sponsored by someone so whether it's your spouse or a company so that is an immigration issue but we always tell women look he should tell his employer because you um, If he's his own boss, then that's different. He can probably keep her on until she does. So that's one issue. But yes, she may have to leave if she doesn't get a visa. And it's essentially, if he's divorced her, she's not his responsibility anymore. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't need... And if he tells his company, I've divorced, and they say, well, they're not... Going to sponsor anymore? No yeah, well, benefits sponsor-
2: come in your way anymore. Yeah,
1: so they will. But if you've got kids, they can still sponsor your kids. They'll still can provide the benefits of like health care and education. But when it comes to the wife, they they do tend to say um, a lot of times as well that we're going to cancel it. But companies are getting better. They give wives some time, but it depends on their like HR policy as mm, well. I'm sure. Um. Number one bit of advice to anyone considering divorce
2: in twenty twenty four, Samara Ekbal.
1: Um. I would just say. Um, like we discussed you know like try your best to see if you can reach an agreement with your spouse uh, because it can become very toxic it's very stressful doesn't matter if you're a millionaire mm-hmm. you know getting divorced is not easy i would say it's a very very hard process especially if you're an expat. you're living in the uae it's hard you might not have a social circle here you might be kind of alone you don't have your family around and you're getting divorced and the next thing you know he's moved out you know he's coming over to see the kids you know you're getting know some money towards the kids and you kind of maybe you know it's hard if you don't have your own job or your own security and you're relying on him it's very difficult so i would say just try your best to reach an agreement you know where human relationships break down um you know we can't control what he or she does women do things men do things but i would say try your best to reach an agreement be nice to each other as much as you can yes that person you know, I always say to men and women, even if you hate that person, they're still the mother of the mother of your kids, or so he's the father of your kids. Like, try not to be so bitter mm-hmm. and be so toxic. Just try your best. But again, you know, we can't control everything. Well, I think you and the marriage counsellors
2: of the UAE are very busy during the month of January, which brings me to my last question. I know you do some free chats and consultations with people. What's the best way of getting in touch with you, Samara?
1: I would just say just um, email us um, on info. It's on the website, info at com. Or you can, there's a WhatsApp chat on there as well. So you can WhatsApp us directly from the website.
2: Um, Samara, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. And um, it has been a busy one. It is The Legal Clinic every single Monday afternoon.
0: Dubai Eye 103.8 presents an array of independent expert opinions and does not advise one particular view. Always seek independent legal advice, which considers your own personal circumstances.
2: I love introducing you to inspirational people. And for this next hour in conversation with Ramona the Gamma. she's a business growth strategy coach. She has founded and run three businesses, including a London jazz club. She's a mentor, motivational speaker, and now in her 60s, she splits her time between here and the UAE in France, helping entrepreneurs maybe move from having a full-time job to starting their own business. Maybe it's scaling up that business. Um, And we are here this afternoon to help you out. So if you do have any questions about starting a business, about really smashing some of your goals in 2024, I do urge you to take advantage of this opportunity and pick her brains. How are you, Ramona?
3: I'm very well indeed. It's a privilege to be with you today.
2: thank you for joining us. I really do appreciate your time. And I'd love it, if you don't mind, if we can kind of frame a little bit of your expertise. Where did you grow up? And I guess, what was it, how has it informed your, your life moving forward, that beginning?
3: Okay, I was born in Kenya. Uh, my parents, uh, my mother's Goan, my father's sort of Goan from Goa, but of Portuguese-Brazilian ancestry. And uh, yes, I grew up in Kenya. My parents were incredibly, my mother's side is very entrepreneurial. My father's side is very much involved in sort of uh, accountancy, professional services, etc. And I just grew up to understand what it was like to work hard, to achieve things, mm-hmm. but lived a fantastic life.
2: Was, was that something that was instilled in you? And I'm, I'm asking this as a parent, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of raising, you know, confident, business savvy, entrepreneurial, crea- creative kids, happy kids. Um, was, was this something like, you know, you need to work ho- hard in order to succeed or were you very much following their example?
3: I think it was a bit of both. I mean, my mom was amazingly resourceful, terribly beautiful. My father was just incredible and handsome. And so, you know, for us, it was just looking at this Hollywood couple. So for me, I was just like, wow, what an incredible experience to have parents like that. But they were also tough. So my father was a great educational man. So, you know, if you were on top of the class or near of that, you were in trouble, Mm -hmm. so you had to really study hard. My mother, on the other hand, was very resourceful in the sense that, you know, you guys are not going to be in, in, in Kenya for, forever. So you're going to have to learn to do things for yourself. So my mother gave us crazy jobs to do. Like <laughs> I had my job was to clean the loose, would you believe it, every Saturday and work with the staff. So it wasn't like just because we had staff, we could get away with it. Mm. And, and they really made us work hard for things. You know, so if I wanted something, uh, even if I, kn- I knew they were going to give it to me, I had to earn it. Good,
2: That's I like exam.
3: this, I yeah. should to get to do a parenting book, we go back in time, sounds <laughs>
2: fantastic. So can I ask then, and as I said, you've worked with some incredible businesses, you know, incredible business leaders as well, everything from Virgin Atlantic to you know, EasyJet and, and Media Magnets as well. Um, when you were starting out, what did success look like, Ramona? What, what, what were you shooting for in your early 20s?
3: I think when I, when I started off, to be absolutely honest, I left university, I had absolutely no idea what to do. And I think that's a failing in education because you, you go to school, university and nobody gives you any career advice. But in my heart and soul, I always knew that I had to learn and be a sponge and just soak everything up. But I ultimately knew I'd never work for anybody else but myself. That was always the, the, the goal. Success to me was my own business. Mm. Success to me was getting the money together to buy my own apartment. So those are the sort of goals I had. It wasn't about much else, you know. Um, the the Before I joined the, the newspaper industry, I did take a modeling course. And I must say that was very helpful. Not in terms of the modelling bit, but in terms of understanding me and what I'm all about, creating my brand and all of that kind Mm. of good stuff. So when I went into the the, the corporate world, for want of a better word, I already had my brand set up in in that way, plus what I got from my parents. And my first, most exciting experience was working for Times Newspapers Limited.
2: And now... A few decades later, what does success look like? Has that idea changed? That idea of in- independence?
3: Yeah. No, no. I mean, I always feel. Indep- I, I've always, you know, independence is so important to me, financial and otherwise. Mm-hmm. But what does success look like? Success for me is helping other people now achieve what I've managed to achieve, and to me, I've got a load of clients of mine you know, young entrepreneurs who are so successful now, more successful than I am. And for me, they're my they're like my babies, and I'm so excited that, that that's what success is for me.
2: Can I ask about that entrepreneurial spirit? Because I think it's really interesting to think that if you grow up in a household or environment where that is modeled to you, that that is seen as something that's very viable. You know, you can start your own business, you can start another business, but if you grow up in an environment where it's very much this nine to five mindset, yeah. it can feel like more of a leap. With entrepreneurs that you meet and that you coach, can you spot amongst them who's got that secret sauce to make it work?
3: In a sense, yes. The, what, what I always find is that people who work for other organisations, so they, you know, they, they get to a certain stage in their life and then they're suddenly going, I can't do this anymore. This I, need, I need to get out of here. And then they come up with an idea or, or they don't have a clue. I have got no, loads of clients of mine who come up me and say, Ramona, can't do this anymore but I want to set up on my own. I have a good idea of what I want to do, but I don't know if it's going to work or I'm really frightened. Mm-hmm. So being entrepreneurial doesn't mean that you don't have fear. Uh, and, and then, you know, you get people like myself who support and help them to actually make a decision about whether they want to do that or not. Well. We are lucky enough to have you with us. I'm curious a little bit about some of the common
2: challenges in uh, January 2024 that entrepreneurs are coming with. And also from that leadership side, motivating your staff in January. My goodness, that's next. Business growth strategy coach, mentor, and motivational speaker, Ramona De Gama is with us today. She has founded and run three businesses, worked with some of the biggest names, the best leaders, and now splits a time between here and France, helping entrepreneurs move from maybe full-time employment into starting their own business, corporations increasing their value, um, through all sorts of different methods, which we're going to be exploring a little bit now. But I wanted to ask you about the January blues in terms of motivating staff members, or even motivating yourself, Ramona, during this time. And I should say, the sun is shining in Dubai, which makes a big difference. In other parts of the world, the gloom can really get to you. But when people have come back from a break or family time can it be an opportunity where they reflect and perhaps think this isn't what I want to be doing
3: that's a possibility I think you know that a lot of people do that in January it's a bit like you know uh, going to the gym uh, all those good things that we do in January Um, so from that point of view a lot of people I do get a lot of people say I'm tired of my job I want to do something else. So, yes, that happens. Um, But I think also in terms of the businesses that actually employ the people who go back to work, it's a great time to reflect and regroup. And I don't think businesses do that enough. So you you feel like
2: you're stuck in a bit of a rut and routine. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a great believer in in this the kind of training I had when I was with Times Newspapers Limited. We regrouped every day. So every day was a training day. Every day was a G-up day. Every day was about what's your problems, how are we going to deal with it, what are we going to do today, how are we going to make it a happy day. Mm -hmm. And it's not just being, you know, it's not just this sort of rah-rah stuff. It really means it. It's really important. So for me, uh, a lot of people who come back to work in january especially for places like the uk where the weather is horrible grim. and it's grim and you know no wonder why why we're here um you know it's such a great opportunity to get everybody in a room uh each each line manager get staff in a room give them a nice cappuccino coffee talk about christmas talk about all the good things that happened mm. and then talk about you know so how we're going to really start 2024 with a bang you know, and that doesn't happen. We n- we're never going to have the numbers on this,
2: but, you know, in your experience, what percentage of companies are that proactive, do, would you say? 20%. Yeah, seems that's such a missed opportunity, it doesn't is. it? It is, it is, In terms of employees feeling connected as well to each other and to their leaders, um, and on the business side, what are some of the
3: challenges you're hearing from SMEs in, in January 2024, Ramona? SMEs in 2024, the biggest challenge for them is A, uh, uh, you know, kind of new business. It's all about new new business development. How do I actually get new business coming in? So they've got obviously certain clients they've used for last year. They've got to uh, uh, re re. Um, what's the word? Um, uh, get, you know. Uh, renew clients and at the same time get new clients and there's that big worry everything's getting more and more expensive cash flow all these things so yes that's where the challenges lie, and that's where the fear sets itself in. Can we talk about and there was a stat I think from LinkedIn saying that 75%
2: of people are looking for a new job in 2024 and that might be the case of looking in a new company but for many it will be as you said earlier I've just got to a point in my career where I want to be doing something for myself What are some of the questions you should be asking yourself before you leave full-time employment, especially in a place like the UAE, where obviously your visa is often tied to where you're working? Before you take that leap, how do you need to examine your, your motivations and your purpose?
3: I think for me, I've always said to people, you know, the most important thing is, ask yourself the question, why do you want to leave? Because there's a fundamental reason why people want to leave. And one could just be they're fed up. Number two, that they just, for that month, bored yeah. Uh, bad, and you, if, bad boss, soft yeah, income bad you up. boss uh, bullying, whatever, or basically not being noticed at all, mm. you know, completely no recognition. So you, the key issue is just to identify exactly why you want to leave. And if it is for something that's absolutely 100% uh, sensible, like I want to start my own business, or mm-hmm. this this is a pertinent reason why I want to leave, either try and solve that problem with your company before you try and leave, because I always find that, you know, if you, you start jumping before you can, <laughs> or you start running before you can crawl, it mm. could be an, a, a serious problem.
2: Um, Anifa's sent a question in saying, um, would be would be keen to get um, her top leadership mistakes and missteps as I'm moving into leadership myself. That's a great question, Anithya. You've obviously worked across a number of different yeah. industries and helped people at all different levels of leadership, whether it's like Anifa who's about to go into leadership up to, you know, Rupert Murdoch. Yes. Um, so in terms of... Common leadership errors, are there any patterns, any trends that we can talk about?
3: Yeah, I think the, the, the world we're in today, unlike the world that I grew up in, is people don't talk to each other. So everything is done on texts, everything's done on emails, everything's done on, on the written word, which doesn't actually help anybody. So if you're a leader and you say your door's open, which they always say, my door's <laughs> always open, yeah. but is it really open? No, it isn't. So if you're a leader, start talking to your people. Don't send emails. Emails and all of that just confirm the conversations. So start talking to people. Start being aware. You know, we talk about awareness, but we don't, you know, somebody might walk into the office today and there's something not quite right. You should start building your intuition and understand what's going on in your own Group, your people, whatever, mm. and start talks, dear. Do we feel like we're having more emotional intelligence in leadership now? I yeah, hope. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, was, I still think there's a huge amount of fear going on. People are frightened of losing their jobs, they're frightened. So th- there's a huge amount of fear, which means that the leaders that are involved with organizations obviously aren't dealing with things properly. Mm. So, I mean, for me, it's always about transformational leaders. So, for me, you've got to really try and become a transformational leader uh, in terms of being able to change people's lives, change how things operate. Change is so important, whether it's big organizations or small organizations, and successful leaders, and dare I mention Margaret Thatcher. I I know people don't particularly are mad about that woman, but she transformed a lot of people's lives in the world. Mandela did the same. So if you really want to be a good leader, start looking at those kind of role models uh, in order to try and help yourself. We were speaking recently with
2: a behavioral scientist out of the UK about feeling psychologically safe at work and it wasn't something a concept i was familiar with before but i have to say it's come up so much in conversations since and i i I think that really speaks to what you've just been referring to there about you know being open to coming in and discussing job opportunities to coming in and discussing your your role in a company and not being afraid of that person um how do you feel about that term you know psychologically safe
3: in the workplace I think it's very 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 important I think it's a two-way traffic scenario everybody should feel safe in a workplace so you know you should feel very safe about going to your boss and saying you know I'm unhappy with this and this is how I see it, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get on in the business, what can you do for me because this is where I want to go? Mm-hmm. A leader should be doing exactly the same. So when I was at Times Newspaper's Limited, I'm talking about the 70s, they were so proactive, such an amazing organization, you know, they just knew what they wanted from a cultural point of view. They knew who to recruit and once you went into the organization, they knew exactly who they wanted to move along and they just gave you opportunity it was incredible so this is what people should be doing we're going to be talking about some new year
2: new job or indeed scaling up your business resolutions next remember the gamma with us today and have been saying i can listen to her forever so calm so strong and impactful love her Conversation now with Ramona DeGammer. She's a business growth strategy coach, a mentor, motivational speaker. She has worked in media, she's run her own jazz club. I can't skip over that Ramona. <laughs> Why? Where? How? What were your big learnings
3: from that? Well I, I used to spend a lot of time in America. So I do work with the New York Port Authority and things like that and go off, you know, and do corporate stuff. And as soon as the corporate world finished, I'd go and hang out in jazz clubs, you know. And some places, I remember I was in a conference in New Orleans, and I went out and hung out in the jazz club till 10 o'clock in the morning, went home, had a shower, and then um, went back to the conference. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, when I get back to England, I always found that I could never find that thing, whatever that thing was they had in America. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying to my friends, and I sort of was very involved with a great jazz guy and stuff like that, and I kept saying to them, you know, oh, this is so boring, you know. And uh, one of them said to me, well, if you can't find it, why don't you just do it? And but, that's what happened. But isn't that the crux for so many great businesses, mm-hmm. the idea of mm-hmm. solving
2: a problem? Yeah. Um, and when people are coming to you, looking for advice on, you know, leap thinking, okay, enough's enough, I'm gonna start my own business. Here is my idea. Presumably, our friends and families will often tell us the things that we want to hear, to, you know, to make us happy, to appease us, to, you know, validate our feelings. What's the role of a coach when it comes to helping someone actually realize their dreams yeah. and ultimately be, you know, physically successful I mean, well?
3: basically, if, if somebody comes to me, first of all, with an idea, we sit down and we look at the idea and the idea has to be really good. And, and it doesn't have to be complicated, it has to be very simple. And it has to be something that people want and something you yourself would buy. So I would say to them, you know, would you buy this? Would you, would you be a consumer of your own idea? And if they're really committed on it, we then start talking about how we can set up a strategy, but the strategy is really a 10-year strategy. Wow! So we plan for 10 years of how we're going to work this idea and then what we're going to do about it. Planning is so important. 10 years?
2: Yep. Yep. Even in a city as fast-paced as Dubai, where we don't know what's coming around the corner? Yep. Wow. And what kind of thing would you be putting into a strategy when you're looking at kind of the complexities? Or maybe it's not complex at all. It's not complex
3: at all because it's basically all to do with life. So, you know, people come up with ideas and ideas are all about the workspace or work. And I always say to them, work is only that to make you achieve what you want to achieve in your life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't don't, uh, uh, live to work, we work to live. And that's where the plan starts happening, because it's a question of where do you want to be in 10 years' time? And how is the business and the idea going to help you achieve that? Your business is your fridge, finish, end (laughs) off, it's your bank.
2: Yeah, so that's interesting in terms of working or starting a business that's aligned to your values and ultimately helping you fulfil some personal goals as well as professional, presumably. Absolutely. Have you had some really bad ideas come to you, Ramona,
3: where you've thought, that's sweet, but... I have, I have, I have had some bad ideas, but the key issue at the end of the day is when the bad ideas come in, we then sort of rejig it all and then send them away and they come back with something that's that's more tailored to what it is they're mm-hmm. trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I, to be fair, there was one idea that came to me many years ago, something to do with the medical side of work. And this guy approached me and I really didn't think it was going to work and you know what? He proved me wrong.
2: Yes, see, it's, don't mind being <laughs> wrong in it. Yeah, not absolutely. Um, Dan's saying, um, no details, please. Um, but what about starting a business that is similar to something else in the market, but I think I can do it better? That's an interesting point, actually, especially in markets such as Dubai. So I'm not going to name any names, but there are businesses where you think, well, that's very similar to something that else is going on.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, where, where's the argument for and against that? I mean, basically, if you have, if you're going to produce a, for example, I set up my club. You know, there are many clubs and restaurants in the world. But if you if you have an, a, a serious plan and idea of how you want to, A, launch your business, have a proper plan, understand what and how you're going to deal with, the competition's great, how are you going to deal with your business. It's nothing to do with anybody else around you. It's a question of how are you going to activate this idea, how are you going to launch it, how are you going to plan it, and how are you going to make it work? The, the life of an
2: entrepreneur, especially for people that are starting out, you're often on your own. You're doing everything from the HR to the PR. Um, when you're thinking about networking, about community and support, any words of wisdom for anyone who's out there, you know, maybe listening on the way to a meeting or listening as they work from their home office, who might be feeling a little bit isolated in their mission?
3: I say when you start a business, think of yourself as a corporate. So have your organogram ready and work out all the different aspects of that business that you're going to need to have from having an HR director, having an IT director, having a legal guy, having accountancy, et cetera. And what you start doing is you start looking at what you can do best and you start finding people you can delegate the rest to. Mm -hmm. So I hate uh, doing accounts. I'm not a legal bot. I love developing and growing businesses, and I love counting my numbers, so I'm sitting on my bank account, I know exactly what's happening, credit control to me is really important, you know, the money in my bank account is more important than in their bank account, so these are the things that I love doing, but what I don't love doing, boy God, I just delegate it out to somebody else.
2: (laughs) Because we get into this idea of procrastination, don't we, of dreading something, and As you say, if you're in a position to get someone else to do it, it frees you up to to actually be far more productive with your time, which is is really, really precious. Um, We're asking people to get in touch this afternoon, Ramona, to share their reason to be cheerful today, something that might have been great over the weekend, something they're looking forward to. And This is because I wanted to ask about the role of positive thinking. And I'm not talking about toxic positivity, where you're actually really miserable, but you wake up in the morning going, I'm going to say an affirmation as I cry looking in the mirror. But, you know, true positive mindset how
3: powerful has that been to you over the years very very positive I'm sorry very 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 important I mean for me what's the point of living if you're not positive you know and the only reason the, the thing that I can actually turn around and say is you know I, I met a wonderful man when I was uh, I don't know 21 uh, we ended up getting married 16 years later and he died nine years after that at the age of 47 Gosh, I'm sorry. so so and I was I think 39 or something like that and I'll be very honest with you, there are many times I sit and think about, you know, how my life could have been different. But at that time I could have been really negative, I could have done whatever. But when he passed away I thought, you know, life is, life is really important. Enjoying life is important, making the most of it is important. So what's the point of being negative? You know, be positive, find out what's really bothering you, talk to people to help you turn it around. And just get, just get up in the morning and be happy. What if you're surrounded by people in the workplace that are drains
2: rather than radiators, as, uh, as, as we often hear? Um, you know, we can control what we can control, which is how we react to things, but we can't control often how other people behave and respond. Any insights there? Someone's got a toxic boss.
3: Yeah, if you've got a toxic boss, I mean, I, see, I, I think it's all about confidence as well. So if you really believe in your ability to uh, can we sort something out? Ramona Dagama, we haven't even talked about scaling
2: businesses. I feel like we've just scratched the surface, but thank you so, so much for your time today. We've run out of time. But with your permission, if anyone wants to reach out for coaching, mentoring, you know, growth strategy we have been talking about, what's the best way of getting in touch with you?
3: Why don't they get in touch with my website? Uh, It's ramonadagama.com tell you what, if you send the word biz to
2: 4001, we can send you the links to that website. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Helen.
3: It's been fun. come back
2: again. I'd (laughs) love that. I'd love that. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer
0: on Dubai
1: Eye 103.8.
0: With House and House, 10 years of unlocking opportunities in Dubai real estate. And
2: we've stolen away two of the House and House team members from their very busy days, but actually they're in the right neighborhood because joining us here at the golf club at Dubai Hills is Dubai Hills Estate Area Managers. We've got Jamie Hemingway and Ben Green with us today. Um, tell us, Jamie, how are you this afternoon?
4: Uh, yeah, very good. Very, very good. busy, busy, busy. I've been on viewings all afternoon. Oh,
2: God, this, is, this is what I want to be getting to the
4: bottom of. Is there a typical day in a, in, a, in a real estate agent's life? If I could say, it was never the same any day of the year. I would not be lying. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And what, what, what made you want to get into this? What do you enjoy about the job?
4: Um, Real estate for me, I always did sales back in the UK Then um, my father lived out in Dubai as well. Um, so he's lived here since 1998. Mm. So I've seen it grow personally from a complete sandpit all the way up to what it is today, which is a masterpiece, some would say. It
2: is. I mean, looking out the window now, you know, beautiful golf course, stunning villas. We've got you know, Dubai Hills Mall right next to us. Um, tell us a little bit about you, Ben, what brought you to Dubai in the first place?
5: <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, I was an aircraft engineer in the, in the military, in the Royal Air Force for nine years. Uh, after a, what was a great nine years, um, I decided to move here because my little brother was here for a little bit and I visited, fell in love with the place, as most people do, and uh, was seeking out opportunities for jobs. Went through a couple of interviews with different companies, but House and House just resonated the most with me. And yeah, lo and behold, three and a half years later, we're still here. And you found yourselves
2: working in one of, I think it's safe to say, the hottest communities in Dubai. And I don't mind saying that this, you know, when Dubai Hills was first kind of floated however many years ago, I was like, do we really need another massive mall? You know, Mall the Emirates is just around the corner. And I can say now Dubai Hills Mall, probably my favourite in town. It's lovely natural light. I was scooting around the park with my kids a couple of weeks ago. It is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous part of town and as a
5: result is incredibly popular. So how busy are you right now and how much availability is there in Dubai Hills? (laughs) We are uh, inundated with inquiries at the moment. Um, Sometimes it feels like there's not enough properties on the market to try and sell to everyone that wants to buy. It has been that way for the past couple of years. And Dubai Hills not only has, uh, has grown in terms of like stature but its popularity has just kept going and going and going and people are now way more familiar with the community mm-hmm. than what they were a couple of years back when it was just first sort of handing over. Um, and it's just amazing to see as people who operate in this area, we're really proud to work here and to sell dream homes and also investments. Uh, to people who want to be in this area, you know.
2: So tell us Jamie, in terms of that split, new apartments and and villas, where is the availability you had a message going is there anything to be had i
4: don't know is there (laughs) there's lots to have you can drop me a message after and i'll (laughs) send all of our stock over (laughs) what's
2: um, what has really resonated with people talking there about you know residential versus investment where do you feel like those pockets of you know whether it's neighborhood or opportunity what's what's hot right now
4: yeah i think for investors like in the apartments, there's always a massive market for rentals for sure short-term and long-term because um, of the location more than anything. Mm-hmm. It's arguably the most centrally located community in the whole of Dubai. If you threw a dart into the middle of the map, you'd find Dubai Hills for sure. Um, on the villas especially, I've got lots of clients at the moment who are going down the renovation route uh, and they're taking out quite a large lump of return on that basically mm-hmm. as well. So, um, end users are looking for somewhere that's a great location, high quality finishing, uh, which you're finding on the renovated market and then lots of the investors are finding lots of apartments where they're getting say a six seven percent on long term and then up to ten percent on short term and some buildings
2: we are going to be delving more into the facilities what the offerings in this neighborhood we are broadcasting from dubai hills Um, but we are going to move the text line next we've had messages about you know how do you work in real estate Um, a message there Um, kind of lead-in time you have for renting a new place Uh, where to start Hibba wants to know if you're wanting to buy what extra charges are often overlooked Um, and Niall saying is it still being built is it all the same developer we are talking property now until four o'clock this is Afternoons with Helen Farmer
1: on Dubai Eye 103.8
0: with House and House 10 years of unlocking opportunities in Dubai real estate
2: we're broadcasting live from Dubai Hills Golf Club do come on down and say hi we've got the house and house team on hand to answer any questions and if you can't make it this is your chance we're speaking to the industry insiders especially from dubai hills ben greenwood is with us today and also jamie hemingway we're going to be talking about the location in a bit more detail after half past but right now we're going to go to the text line um you guys do specialize in sales um but ben we have had a question here saying what kind of lead in time should you have for inquiring about renting a new place it always feels too early or too late what do your rental colleagues have to say
5: Yeah, there's never normally like a really clear answer. For most people it's situational dependent. I would probably say if it was me, I'd look to have around two months just because then that gives you the time to look at what you want, to focus on an area, Mm -hmm. to find a property and uh, from there then you can move forward with it. Um, And for people that want to work in the industry,
2: um, Jamie message here saying real estate investment want, want to work in real estate as a broker. What experience qualifications is required to qualify as an agent?
4: So experience, you don't actually need any experience in to get into real estate. Anyone can go into it. It's not like being a doctor where you need a PhD. Um, If you've got a good kind of character, a good influence, you can get into it quite easily. You do need to pass a rarer exam. Which is basically the the standards expected to reach to be a broker, the knowledge on what's needed, and like the legalities around mm. it, basically.
2: And this is, I think, just a good bit of advice for everyone listening today. In terms of when you are looking and speaking to you know to brokers, to companies, you know, looking for that rare qualification, looking for the QR code on adverts as well, making sure that everything is. Legit. Um, message from, um, from Nile here saying, by Hills, is much still being built? Is it all the same developer? Now we drove in today at Ben's and I was like, oh, there's actually still quite a lot going on. So from you obviously you hear things a lot quicker than than you know, the general population. You've obviously got friends in, in high places. So first part of that question, is much still being built
5: here? Yes, <coughs> there's, uh, there's a lot that's still coming here. From a range of different developers which obviously i know was was kind of part two uh emar themselves have got uh, quite a few villas which are handing over and still being built uh, you'll probably see transition on those over the next one to two to three years even depending on which product you buy then on the apartment side emar again have got their own properties which are being built now completion again one two three years but they're also independent developers some of them are really well-known, some are a little less well-known, some have got something to prove here by building in Dubai Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's there's a lot that you can, can look out for, there's a lot that you can purchase, and it just really depends on what it is that you want and how flexible you are.
2: Well, which brings me to a couple of messages we've had on that topic. Um, Jamie, let's come to you saying, where to start if wanting to buy and what extra charges are often overlooked? Okay, so we're going to do a little Role play scenario. I come to you and say, I want to buy an investment, you know, apartment in Dubai Hills. I've never bought property in the UAE before. What are some of the questions that you'd be asking me and what are some things that, I guess, a purchaser needs to have in place in order to actually make that happen?
4: Yeah, I think, first of all, it's about finding out what the motivation is to buy. I want to make loads of money. You want to (laughs) make loads of money (laughs) (laughs) instead of doing my bills then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think it's about finding the the right investment for you, really. So, finding out about what's important to the client. Is it a numbers game? Are they only bothered about the percentage yield? or is it down to something that they want to hold for the next 10 to 15 years that their children might move into once they finish university as the holiday mm-hmm. home? So like finding a bit more about the motivation is quite important. Um, and then with the fees and stuff like that, if you're buying on the secondary market, for example, you've got your Dubai land apartment, which is 4%. You need to book the transfer, uh, which is 4,200. And then you've got to print off the title deed as well, which is 525. So, Little cost like that, not everyone factors into the purchase. Yeah. Very similar to like stamp duty in the UK. Mm-hmm. I always didn't think about that, and then when I bought somewhere back at home, like, I got oh, hit with the is. percentage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then you, you also can't forget
5: our fee Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most important. Very yeah. valuable
4: time. <laughs> yeah. So that's two percent plus VAT. Okay. Um You can always pay more if you want. But yeah, two <laughs> percent where it's at, kind of like Dubai standards.
2: And, Ben, you're talking before about, you know, sometimes the secondary market, sometimes it's off plan. What kind of payment plans are around right now if you are looking
5: at off plan? Yeah, again, it's dependent on on developers themselves, they release different different payment plans. EMAR's standard sort of payment plan now is 90% through construction and 10% on handover. Um, they've changed a little bit over the past couple of years just because their demand is so high mm-hmm. uh, that they've been able to, to do that. There are other developers who will get up to sort of 50% during construction and 50% on completion. Okay.
2: Um, one last message saying how much are we looking at for a, uh, a one bed apartment in, in uh, Dubai Hills right now? Well, I mean, your range is independent 1.5 up to 2. Okay, and last question to you, Mystic Meg, a.k.a. Jamie in the corner. Any predictions for 2024? Prices have had a number of matches going. When's it going to soften? What's happening?
4: I think I need the crystal ball to understand where that's going to go. But I'd say the main driver for this is supply and demand. There's not a lot of supply on the market, but there's a hell of a lot of demand. Mm -hmm. Um, So from what we've seen over the last quarter, we saw a 25% increase in prices, then a slight 5% dip over the last quarter. Um, But looking at what's going into the new year, there's been quite a lot of transactional records which have been broken, so it's a little bit unsure and uncertain at the moment, but from what we're seeing at the moment, it is rising a little bit
2: guys thank you so much for your time ben jamie really appreciate it with your permission if, if guys want to send in the word property i'll send them your details on the house and house website so mm-hmm. people can please do. get involved yeah. um, really appreciate it have a good one <laughs> this is afternoons with helen farmer on
1: dubai i
0: 103.8 with house and house 10 years of unlocking opportunities in dubai real estate
2: we are broadcasting live from dubai hills golf club if you're here come and give us a wave um, and it's lovely to have so many of you joining plus of course, the team are on hand in person, and I've stolen away Laura Davies. She's senior Dubai Hills estate consultant. How are you, Laura?
6: I'm really well, thank you. Thank I'm, you for having me on. I'm um I'm a little bit
2: in love with Dubai Hills, <laughs> to be honest. We came here for to the, the park the other morning with the kids, and just the infrastructure for people that are lucky enough to to live here. I was so so impressed, and that was you know one morning. Um, so. Do we have any numbers when we think about how the market's performing? You know what we're we talking about in terms of growth and popularity
6: and prices. Great question. <laughs> um, well, in terms of popularity, um, you'll find um, even if you ask anyone who lives in Dubai real estate that Dubai Hills is by far one of the most popular. Um, communities, And I think um, just looking at like listings and uh, the demand and availability of like what's actually for sale and for rent is certainly not met. Mm. Um, we have way more registered buyers than we do available properties. And I think that says it all wow. with regards to the popularity.
2: So what is the secret sauce? What are people loving about this community, especially on on the purchase point?
6: Yeah, the purchase point, I would say it's got something for everybody. So if someone's entering the market on the lower end of their budget, their first time purchase, they can get a one-bed comfortably in one of the many towers that is ready or off-plan mm-hmm. um, all the way to the the modern family you know mum dad two kids who want to be near the best schools in Dubai they want to be near the amenities they want the green the parks and everything like that and um, that is definitely um, why it's so appealing because there's something for everybody mm-hmm. um, and the uh, you know, there's there's different uh, types of villas, townhouses and apartments. So when a buyer does approach us, there is something for them. Um, and then once they fall in love with the community, then it's our job to to, to sell them something, which like ma- that we do. Doing
2: some matchmaking. That's it,
6: yeah. And um, what do you love about the area? Oh, God, we could be here all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number one is the mall. Uh, hands it's down. A great mall. It's fabulous. I will argue till the death. Till the cows come well, home. I just said to the guys, it's the best one. When,
2: when you saw, you know, the mall start built, I was like, mm. do we need another one? Yeah. Dubai malls right there. Yeah. I can practically see more of the yeah. Emirates. Yeah. I mean, it's got a roller coaster. Exactly. I mean, plus... Only in Dubai. About, about <laughs> but it is, it's like lovely lights. Yeah. They've done a really good job on curating that. and b The, the <coughs> cinema is absolutely yeah. outstanding. Exactly. And they play jazz in the yeah. car park. I, I know. It's <laughs> actually a pleasant parking yeah. experience and the signs don't lie to you. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, not talking about anything in the malls in Dubai, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you know who you are. Yeah. So, great mall, a real yeah. anchor of that community. That's
6: definitely up there, the mall. Um, for me, it's just how green it is and like super like super green the the villas look modern and just being here up at the golf course like we're surrounded by like you know we feel like we're in beverly hills i just think it's got a really cool aura and aesthetically pleasing like like i said the modern villas up to the mansions you know in the heart is the is the park and it's super green you've got the dog like the dog pen there and the running track and but even more than that We we
2: were there and there was you know People playing basketball, yeah. there's paddle courts. There was a parkour. There's, you know, scooting even for a the kids. Water park. <laughs> it's it's absolutely, it's absolutely lovely. So we've had yeah. questions here about availability. Okay, okay here we go. So you you're, you're specialising in in sales in particular. Yeah, correct. Um, how how much are we seeing coming, you know, being made available to you right now, and, and what are your predictions for the next few months, Laura?
6: Um, I think um, what's coming available, I wouldn't be able to give you um an exact number, but when I get asked these kind of questions, I do. I know Dubai is a very, very fresh real estate market and it's super, like, it. we're transacting every day and and things like that. But we still have your ordinary people who upsize, downsize. Mm. Unfortunately, there might be a death in their family, a divorce, Mm -hmm. or they want to be closer to the office. And we have all of these sellers. I think people get really caught up in the fact that, you know, everyone's like money driven or, you know, this, that, and the other, when in, like in any other market, there's just there's genuine just people, people who need to move or need to buy. And mm-hmm. so in terms of availability like that, we're always gonna have that. We're always gonna have the sellers who need the money, need to move for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, the demand that, because we saw prices go so high um, and then buyer inquiries kind of plateaued a little bit towards the end of the year, naturally, um, you might find some sellers holding on just to see what's happening which naturally you do. They're seeing if it's going to carry on increasing. We'll just Mm -hmm. see what's going on. And then buyers naturally feel that the the, the tempo slowed down a little bit. So they're also wondering, is there going to be a little shift? And we've already seen like mortgage rates, interest rates going down a little bit. Um, Certain nationalities, you know, with an influx of cash from last year has slowed down a lot from Mm. other places in the world. Um, So all of that naturally will will make the market go one way or the other. Do I see a price drop coming? Pro- definitely not in Dubai Hills. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <There> <laughs> so you all go. you buyers out there, listen up.
2: <laughs> um, Laura, but if yeah. anyone wants to contact you, what's the best way of getting in touch? Because It sounds like um, you're, you're in the know here in terms <laughs> of family circumstances That's and you it. start coming on. How, how can we still um, reach you?
6: The easiest way is WhatsApp. Everyone in Dubai is on WhatsApp. so oh, It's um, on the websites, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the Meet the Team. You'll see me on there. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, so look me up. And I, am a, I love posting on LinkedIn. And it's not just about... Dubai Hills in particular I'll post about the market or upcoming projects so I try and um, you know reach out to an audience on there as well so hit me up on LinkedIn. Industry
2: insider Laura Davies thank you so much really appreciate your time we're going to let you back to probably the hundreds of emails you've had in the last (laughs) few minutes. Thank you so Um, much. If you do want Laura's details just send me the word property I'd be happy to send the website over it's on the house and house link there as well.